And I'm going to just turn to another little passage here because I want you to get something first before any of this, what I'm going to talk about, is going to make sense. So let's have a word of prayer, and then I'm going to read you something here. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you now for this day that you've given us, Lord. We ask your blessing upon this evening. Lord, thank you for this opportunity for us to hear from your word. Lord, I just pray that if there's someone here tonight who's not saved, that they would accept you as their personal Savior. And also, if there's someone here tonight who's been feeling, Lord, I know that you want me to do something, but I've just been afraid that tonight would be the night that they would step out and say, Lord, I want to serve you more than I'm afraid. Lord, I just praise you for all that you're doing. I ask you now to take my lips, make them yours. I can't do this without you. And Lord, we ask that all the distractions be put away. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In, amen. All right. First good amen I've gotten tonight. Probably the last one, too. I'm just going to read you from Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. It says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they were, or they are, and were created. You see, folks, I want you to get something straight in your heads right now. We think that all of this creation that we see when we go outside and we see the birds singing and the trees and all of that, we think God created it for us. The truth of the matter is, we're just part of the creation. This is created to bring Him honor and glory. You and I were created to bring God glory. Now, if I make a hay baler, I come up, I want to bale hay, and I build myself a hay baler, its job is what? To bale hay. It shouldn't make ice cream or shine my shoes, should it? It should bale hay. And if it's making ice cream, well, that might be tasty. That doesn't get my hay baled. And so when God created us to bring him honor and glory, we're to bring him honor and glory. And how do we do that? When he tells us to do something, we do it. And he tells us in his word that we're supposed to tell others about him. Now, he could have used rocks. He says, I could have made the rocks cry out. But the truth is, he's chosen to use us. Why? I don't know. Just look in the mirror and you answer that question. Why would he choose me? I have no idea why he'd choose me. I don't know why God does a lot of things. I can't honestly tell you why did he say that blood had to be shed for the remission of sins. I'm not God. But he has a plan and it's perfect and he said that's what had to happen. So that settles it, doesn't it? And so... We are created for his honor and glory, and we do that by telling others and doing what he's told us to do. Go into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. He tells us that we're supposed to win souls. So to make him get honor and glory, we're supposed to do what we're supposed to do. So as we look at Matthew chapter 25, this is very familiar I'm sure you've seen this before. We're going to look at verse 14. This is the story about some men who were given some money. And it talks about talents. And I believe, obviously, this was referring to money. But let's just use the word talents. Our talents, our gifts, our abilities. This is for the kingdom of heaven in verse 14 of, of Matthew chapter 12. 
25. It says, A man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability. And straightway took his journey. Now why did he give some more than others? Well, I think he probably figured one guy maybe was a little more capable. One guy maybe he wasn't so sure about. But the truth is, he gave them something to work with. They all had something to start out with. There is not a single one of us in this room who doesn't have something to work with. The pastor's son there in the back of the room. I had his picture in my presentation, the video that you saw for years. And I can tell you with him with a hard hat on in a wheelchair, and I hope he doesn't mind that I'm sharing this, but I'm telling you, he was an inspiration to countless people that saw that video. Because here's a man who by many standards, people would think, what can he do? But the truth was, he was doing what he could. He had that shovel, and what people would always say to me, after the video showed, when we were out in the back, they would say to me, I just couldn't believe the smile on his face. Folks, that had an impact on people. What can God do with what you have? So he gives out these talents. And straight away he took his journey. And then verse 16, Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them five other talents. And likewise, he that had received two also gained two other two. Now these guys took what they were given and they did something with it. These two guys said, okay, I've been given a blessing here. I've been given an opportunity. I have been given a lot. Folks, can I tell you, I travel the world. I've been in a lot of third world countries. And there's not a one of us who wouldn't be considered a rich man in a lot of the places that I've been. Financially. I don't care how poor you are. I mean, literally, I've seen people who could take everything that they own, put it in a five-gallon pail and move. Everything that they own. Could that be said about you? The day we got married, I still had to borrow a pickup truck <laughs> to move into our apartment. And I'm not trying to brag. I'm just saying, folks, we have a lot of stuff that can be used for the Lord. A lot of stuff. And so these guys are given their talents. And it says here in verse 18, But he that received the one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. Folks, you're not stupid. You know where I'm going with this. He's saying... I don't want to take a risk. I don't want to step out by faith. I might lose what I got. 
Folks, that's where my wife and I were at. We were just burying it in the ground, trying to keep our hands around it because we didn't want to lose it. And I dare say in a crowd this size, there's probably somebody who's in the same position here tonight. You're secure, you've got the retirement program working, you've but inside, the Lord's saying, no, that's not what I want you to do with what I've given you. There's souls out there who are lost and on their way to hell. I want you to bring me honor and glory. And you're burying a napkin in the ground. Folks, that's when the Lord has to step in and do like he did to old Jonah. That's when he has to take you to the woodshed and teach you a few things. What does it say here in the story? It says, as we go on, verse 19, After a long time the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoned with them. There's going to be a day of reckoning, isn't there, folks? One day we're all going to stand before him, and he's going to say, What did you do with the things that I gave you? And so he that received the five talents came and brought after five other talents, and saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents. More. His Lord said unto him, What? Well done. Thou good and faithful servant, thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee, make thee the ruler over many things. Even enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. You see, folks, you say, Why won't God give me millions of dollars? Why, you know, well, are you, how are you dealing with the hundred bucks he's given you? Are you honoring him with that? The amount doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter if it's the five or the ten or the, the one talent. Are you honoring him with it? And it says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. As Lord, then verse 13, his Lord said to him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. This is the guy that had the two talents. He doubled them just like the first guy. Verse 24, Then he which received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, gathering where thou hast not strawed. And folks, here's where it really comes down to. And if we're honest, this is why we don't do what we're supposed to. Verse 25, And I was afraid. I think that's the major thing that keeps Christians from serving God. We're afraid of what people are going to say, what people are going to think. Nobody likes to be laughed at. Nobody likes to be called a Bible thumper. You know what they used to call me at the, at the nursing home? Jesus boy. I kind of thought it was a, kind of a neat name. I, I kind of liked it. Jesus boy. I'd rather be called that than a lot of other things. But it was funny because when one of them had a problem, if their marriage was going bad, guess who they came to see? They came to see Jesus, boy. They didn't go to the chaplain because they knew he had nothing. So this guy was afraid, and so he hid his talents. Folks, are you here tonight? Are you afraid? 
I'm, I'm just being honest. I'm, I'm just, I, and you can too. It's not wrong to be afraid. But it's a wrong to let your fear rule what you're going to do for God. Are you going to let your pocketbook dictate what you can do for God? In other words, is the money in your wallet going to say, okay, I'm only going to give this much because I need the rest? Or are you going to say, and get it actually right in your head to say, Lord, it's all yours anyway. Think about it. What are you really in control of? Can you take a breath without him? Absolutely not. I always tell guys, if you think you're really something, let God turn gravity off for a few minutes and let's see how you do. Can you imagine? It'd be a great weight loss program, wouldn't it? <laughs> but the reality is, we can't do anything without him. So really, what do we have that he already doesn't have? To illustrate this, and then I'm going to be done, I was over in Papua New Guinea. I was contacted by a missionary. I didn't know the man, never had met him before. And that's not uncommon. You know, when you work for free, you always have work. And our ministry doesn't charge for what we do. And so this missionary from Papua New Guinea, out of the clear blue, contacts me and said, hey, I got your name from so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. Now, as I said in the message this morning, we always do a survey trip. And so I scheduled to fly to Papua New Guinea to meet this missionary. And I said, as long as I'm coming all this way, I might as well do something for you. I said, is there anything that you need? And he said, well, I could sure use some kitchen cabinets for my wife in the house that we live in here in the jungle. And I'm like, well, okay, you want me to build kitchen cabinets in the jungle. Now, if you know anything about building kitchen cabinets... That takes a lot of equipment. That takes a lot of tools. It takes a lot of specialized equipment. How do you get all of that equipment into the jungle, right? On that much notice. Now, I didn't know this guy, so I wasn't going to take a team of people who have never traveled with me before. This was the survey trip. So I walk into Chicago O'Hare Airport with 11 suitcases weighing 50 pounds each for me. Do you know what overage charges are called in, in overage baggage fees? Do you know how they work the system for that? The first bag is $50. The second bag is $100. The third bag is $200. And so it goes. And when you get ridiculous, like 11 bags for you, they throw that formula right out the window and say, you're an idiot. We're going to really make you pay. I fully expected to be charged $3,000 in luggage fees. I was there with my credit card, fully expecting that's what I was going to get charged. So I walk up to the, the check-in lady and I said, so how is my favorite check-in lady today? Now she's not stupid either. She sees the two carts trailing behind me with suitcases and I'm the only one standing there. It's, just, it's not rocket science who those all are. And she says, you want a favor, don't you? And I said, oh, yes, ma'am, I do. And I explained to her where I was going, what I was doing, and why I was doing it. And she says, let me see what I can do. And she gets on her computer, and she's tapping away. And shh, shh, shh. All of a sudden, she looks at me, and she says, how does $300 sound? And I said, each? And she says, no, for all of them. 
I'm telling you, my credit card flew out of that wallet so fast, it almost had smoke coming off from it. And so I got over there, flew all the way over there, got to Papua New Guinea, and I met a man by the name of Booseman. Now, he's a Papua New Guinea native there, and Booseman is a true native. He lives in a grass hut, just like you would picture the natives there in Papua New Guinea to be. Okay? And Booseman wanted to learn how to build kitchen cabinets. Now, folks, Booseman's never going to have the opportunity to build anything like that. He's never going to have the tools, but his desire was to be there with us. And obviously, first building Christians, together building churches. We were thrilled to have Booseman working alongside with us. Now, you've got to understand, Booseman lives out in the jungle seven miles from the missionary. And Booseman would be there sitting on the front porch of that missionary's house at 7 in the morning every day. And we worked until dark. And then Booseman would walk 7 miles back home, uphill, both ways, in the snow, to get to his house. Well, there were some hills, but it was, there was no snow. He had a desire to serve the Lord and be with us and help with those cabinets. Now, on the last day of the trip, we're getting ready to leave. And you can see there's a book on my table that shows those cabinets that we built. And the last day, Booseman presented the other two men and myself that were with me, these ceremonial wooden spears. And these spears he carved after he was done working with us. He carved those sitting in front of the campfire at his house with his jackknife. That's the tools that Booseman has. He has a hatchet and a, and a jackknife. And he carved those spears, and I'm telling you folks, I, I couldn't believe that he didn't twist them and heat them and twist them, because when you spun that spear, it spun true. It was straight. And he carved a design into the whole thing, and it was elaborate. And I said, Booseman, why did you do this? Now, you've got to realize, folks, Boost Man is one of them people that I'm talking about that could take everything he has, put it in a five-gallon pail, and move. I have a beautiful home. I have a couple of cars. And I'm not, again, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying the Lord has blessed me just like he's probably blessed you. You've got stuff. What does Boost Man have that I could possibly need or want? Right? But yet, Boost Man takes the time and carves this spear for me. And I said, Booseman, why did you do this? And he said, Brother, I wanted you to know that I love you. He said, you came all this way from the United States to help the missionary that led me to the Lord. And he said, if having these kitchen cabinets will keep his wife happy and have him stay here, Maybe he can lead some of my friends and relatives to the Lord while they're here. So I love you guys, and I wanted you to have this. Now, folks, can I tell you? It cost me $300 to get that spear home. <laughs> they got their money anyway. Because it was too long, and it had to be in a special box, and all of that, whatever. But guess where that spear is hanging? 
It's hanging in a very prominent place in my office. And every time I'm sitting at my desk, I look up and I see that spear. Folks, that's how it is with whatever it is you give the Lord. We're talking about a God who created it all just by speaking it into existence. There is nothing he needs from us. But there is something he wants. And that's he wants your heart. He wants you to say, I carved this spear for you because I love you. And whether it's this little bit of money that you put in an offering plate, if it's whatever it is, your time, your talents, your gifts, whatever it is, I believe he's got it hanging on his fireplace. And he's saying, they did it because they love me. Folks, where's your heart tonight? With heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe there's somebody here tonight who doesn't know the Lord as their personal Savior. If you're here tonight and you're not sure where you'd die, if you were to die today, with no one looking around, heads bowed, eyes closed, would you look up at me and just raise your hand? If you're not sure where you would spend eternity, I understand it's embarrassing. You don't want to be singled out, but it's too important not to get it taken care of. Maybe there's someone here tonight who says, you know, brother, the Lord's been dealing with me about somebody that I'm supposed to witness to. Would you ask the Lord for courage enough to witness to them? Would you ask Him to give you the opportunity to witness to Him? Maybe there's somebody here tonight that the Lord's actually calling into the ministry, full-time ministry. I don't know what that need is. And folks, don't forget, ministry isn't always what we consider to be full-time ministry. Ministry is mowing the grass. Ministry is cleaning the bathrooms. Ministry is a hundred other things. Visiting a shut-in. Taking food over to the neighbor. Leaving a tract. There are so many ways. As the music begins to play softly, I'm going to turn the invitation over to the pastor. Let's all stand together. Invitation's open. Altar's open. God's speaking to your heart. Maybe there's something that you've been holding on to you need to let go of. Maybe you've just given all kinds of excuses about why God can't use you. The truth of the matter is 